The planet's puppet masters almost surely have a plan This clearly may be something near beyond the realm of man And until you've thoroughly tested every last post-justed view I find the more you think you know, the less you really do That's true, Dr. Sayers Where would we be without THC? Cause we know they're lying to us, just don't know How's it going, higher side chatters? Drink a little drink, smoking a little smoke, and trying to soak up that sweet, sweet eclipse energy today from sunny San Diego. I'm your humble host, Greg Carlwood, oath keeper, breaker of chains, and the unburnt to boot. Now, longtime listeners know that for years now, we've been checking in with Ole Demingard anytime we have a big cluster of terror events, to use a neutral term. And I think he's found so many inconsistencies with the reporting and oddities about the events themselves that you really have to have blinders on to dismiss all of it. And last week I recorded a show with Ole where we got into most of the main events we've had in the first half of the year. The Ariana Grande concert, these cars that are being driven into crowds, the Grenfell Tower fire. And as always, I think he brings a lot of things to the table that should make you scratch your head a bit. But in the few short days since recording this interview, we've had this big clash in Charlottesville. And then, of course, we had another vehicle in the crowd attack in Barcelona. So I caught Ole on Skype, and I said, Hey, man, is there anything you want to add about recent events to the show we recorded before it goes out? And he actually had a lot to say about those recent events already. So what we have here is a typical Higher Side Chats episode, but at the end, you'll also have another half hour that's tacked on, which discusses the events of the last week. I'll also probably upload it to YouTube separately as well, but either way, it's a bit of a barn burner. We call it the Stage Terror Events Extravaganza of 2017, with the man who knows the plan, Ole Demingar. Enjoy. Back in park it, tune in and spark it, cause Greg's about to open up your mind. Armed with information about the secret manipulation and the wisest aficionados he can find. And he's pulling back the curtain on what we thought we knew for certain, so we can see the side chatters ever since the disastrous day we call 9-11 many of us have seen the obvious issues with how these so-called terror attacks are presented to us and i know my faith in the media sorcerers of spin has never been restored in fact it seems the biggest factor in the continuation of the never-ending war on terror has been the reoccurring motif of the crazed radical preying on a random unsuspecting crowd but how accurate is that picture really? Have we actually been witnessing a long string of random events set off by religious extremists? Or has the lie of 9-11 spawned a hydra of false flags largely built to support each other and perpetuate a worldview that seems increasingly forced and flimsy that tries to drill into the masses that none of us are truly safe? Meanwhile, the military-industrial complex makes billions, the empire expands, the media props up the boogeyman, and people around the globe surrender their rights and freedoms for the false promise of safety from an enemy cooked up by their very protectors. Well, folks, we've done more than a few shows dissecting the inconsistencies of these events, and since they keep happening, we have to keep digging deeper. And one of my favorite researchers working in this realm is the author of the book Coup d'etat in slow motion and the man behind the amazing website that catalogs it all, lightonconspiracies.com, 
The great Ole Demingard. He was here once to talk about the history of Rockstar assassinations, which covered the seemingly suspicious deaths of Jimi Hendrix, John Lennon, Bob Marley, and even Whitney Houston. And then we had him back twice more to talk about the caravan of crisis actors on their global terror tour, because as Ole's research has shown, it seems that in many of these events that are presented as mass murders through the media, we find more than a few elements of stagecraft, from events recurring on cryptic dates to the so-called parents of slaughtered children caught smiling and laughing before their media interviews. So here to pick apart the latest string of false flags, sham shootings, and bogus bombings is the man himself all the way from Spain. Ole, my man, welcome back to the higher side. Thank you so much, Greg. And congratulations with your marriage here. Oh, yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. And it is great to have you back. It has been too long. And in previous shows, we've talked about events in Aurora, Boston, Paris, Copenhagen, Sydney, Ottawa, Sandy Hook, San Bernardino, and several others. I mean, there's just so many of these things. And in the last 18 months or so since we've done this, we've had no shortage of similar events. And it seems like three or four times you've actually been able to predict the next event by looking at the cryptic clues they leave, which is amazing. And I guess to get us going here, let me start by asking you, how has this campaign evolved over the last year and a half? How have you gotten better at analyzing it? What are you seeing? I'm seeing that it's been taken off in a speed and amplitude that is just ridiculous. I want to start out with saying that it's extremely important to see each event separate. This is a crime scene. Something happened. But what? You really need to dig very deep into all the details, all the evidence, and so on, before you jump into any conclusions. Or I would say to avoid jumping into any conclusion. Because mm -hmm. it's like I've spent some 30 years doing this, and I find that it's only the facts that are important. It is only the truth that matters. It's not to prove my own so-called theory or anything like that. The only thing that can help the world is what is going on and who is doing it to us. Mm -hmm. So just like you said, extremely important to find out, are we either in a world filled with crazy Muslim terrorists waking up screaming Allah Akbar and then planting bombs everywhere? Or is there something totally different going on? And over the years, I started, because in the beginning, I had no idea. I had no idea that anything of this was connected in any way or form, including many of these top assassinations we've looked into together, like with JFK, Martin Luther King, Robert Kennedy, and so on. I had no idea. But then over the years, I found more and more very strong links between these things. And it's come to a point since, I think, about 2014, where I found out that they have to leave clues for the next upcoming event. Hmm. And the reason for that is from insiders I have from inside the New World Order, that the way they interpret the law of karma is that if they tell us what they're up to, even in subtle forms or in media or in films, but, but hidden there, but still tell us, and we do not act or react, then that karma is on our shoulders, not theirs. And they are terrified of that, you know, to get the whole on their shoulders. I think it's a very twisted way of seeing the law of karma. Mm -hmm. I think there's no way that they will get away once it's time to knock on the pearly gates or wherever it is. You know, you do and it comes back to you. Right. So 
once I started seeing that they are actually doing that, they are actually leaving clues in the evidence. From that moment on, I've been just so deep into every single one of these events, digging, trying to find out where is it? I know it's here somewhere. I know it is. And after that, I've been able to publicly predict, I think, about four international radio where I pointed out the exact location and the most probable time. And many times I hit spot on, bullseye. And another four, five, six, I don't know how many other ones that also I predicted and that they came out. But some I predicted that did not happen. And then you can ask yourself, did I make a mistake or was it because there was a lot of exposure around this thing that had made them have to shut it down? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I'm a friend with CIA whistleblower Chip Tatum. He was part of false flags in his career as well. And I've got confirmation from him several times. And what he says is every single time we stop these kind of operations, the timeline is so tight and so detailed so it's very important for these dark forces that every single part of these operations goes through so that they can then come in with their solution of follow-up operations and so on. So every time we mess it up for them or stop one, it can mess it up for months down the line. Right. That is a great point. And, uh, you know, I actually, I definitely want to get into those clues and patterns you've been dissecting, but also one element that I think is super interesting that you were telling me about on Skype is that you seem to have found a major player in the Global Terror Tour with this company, Crisis Solutions. They have some pretty incriminating statements and content on their website, even, it seems. Can you tell us a little bit about them? I would prefer to wait a little bit, but then again, I'll be happy to do it. It was after the Westminster Bridge attack where there was, as you know, in these so called false flag operations, one of the main ingredients is the drill. There's always a drill before the real event goes live. And that drill is there for these actors or whatever you want to call them to get vehicles in positions, explosives in positions, cameras, crisis actors, directors, all of it's it's like a moving film set that they're actually doing. Mm. Where I don't call these things a terror attack. I call them a media event where the product is terror. The product is fear to pump it out to mainstream media, which they control to a large extent, so that the population will be totally terrified, thus accepting and even welcoming more and more control, more and more Robocops, more and more CCTV cameras, more and more body scanners and airports, train stations, you name it, and also justifying these incredible, horrific wars that are being started based on these alleged terror attacks that never took place. Mm -hmm. But that yet again, you have to look at each and every single event because sometimes, even though it's a so-called false flag operation, there can be real victims, but there are also many times only crisis actors or it can be a mixture of both. Hmm. One of the things that after all of these years, a while ago, this company, Crisis Solutions, popped up on my radar. And when I started looking into that, I just got goosebumps everywhere because I felt, oh, my God, 
this is the head of the octopus in the operational part on a street level, if I am correct. On their website, they even have, it's crisis-solutions.com. They're based in the UK, in England, with headquarters in London. But when you go there, there are no signs on the walls. There are no, you know, like uh, you can't press any buttons. There's no logos. There's nothing. I've had people on location there. And the people that work, it's only like a four or five people team itself, maybe eight, with very, very suspicious backgrounds into military intelligence and a lot of these things that are needed for security, yes. But also, if you want to pull these things off to create terror so that all of very brutal solutions will be welcomed. Hmm. And you can go on their website, and I think it's under products or something like that. You can go, and it's called Crisis Cloud. And in that video, it's a very type of video with, you know, like there's some animations going on. When you look at these animations, it's actually 666 that is sort of rotating into each other. And then what they say is, when did you last have a crisis simulation? They call it crisis simulations with players. And now we at Crisis Solutions, we have now taken this to a whole new level, shoveling A4 papers and using telephones. And so that is out of the window. We don't use that anymore. Now it's high tech. And so they present what they call crisis cloud. And in this video, they show exactly how it's done. There are different units. There are like the tactical teams on the street level. These tactical units are like SWAT teams, police, ambulances, firefighters, these type of things, crisis actors on a street level. And please keep in mind, just because somebody looks like a firefighter does not mean that he is actually one. You know, it's just a uniform. Just because somebody got a SWAT team uniform does not mean that they're actually SWAT team members from that country. Just because somebody's got a police uniform on, just because somebody's driving an ambulance. When you start tracking down these vehicles, often these vehicles are rented from private companies then used in these operations. So there's the tactical teams. Then I think there's what they call the C unit, where that is more, you know, like the people from the heads of different companies, the heads of security, where they sit and brainstorm. And then you've got another unit, there are different units, and all of them are connected into this, what they call crisis cloud, which is online, and where they say that the only thing you need as a player is to have internet access. So people can sit on the Bahamas with a big cigar and a laptop and be part of carrying out these so-called crisis simulations that are identical to these alleged terror attacks. And then what they do is also they have a unit in the middle that in live time can change and update these whole things so that if anything occurs, if somebody like myself tried to stop it or interfere, they can redirect in live time. And what they also have is information part of the whole thing with a live feed into live media, they deliver live news for TV and others. I mean, in these simulations, I wonder who these type of TV news are aimed at. I would suggest us. 
They've got Twitter feeds in the hundreds, Facebook things in the hundreds that are all connected to this. So there are whole units sitting there when these simulations go on, are sitting there spreading all of this disinformation, whatever, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, to TV news where they've got crews that are putting together fake news as part of the simulation being pumped out there. And what they say, they brag about it in this video, they say now we can even do multiple simulations at the same time. You don't even have to be in the same country. So they've given us example. They get Edinburgh in Scotland where there was a drill, then Manchester where there was an attack later, and then New York City where we have the Times Square attack also. These three at the same time, you know, they, this is the at the same time three different attacks or more at the same time, and they can coordinate the whole thing. So I'll tell you, this is what we're up against. Right. There's another page on that, their websites. I think it's under clients, testimonials. And there's this, I don't know who it is, who's writing a story about how he, it was so exciting. They were up in this high-rising building with a fantastic view over London. I think it's the Millbank Tower, where I would say some part of the attack, the Westminster Bridge attack, the first London attack on the 22nd of March this year, which I predicted one month before it happened with the exact spot, the Parliament Big Ben. Anyway, he says that they were standing up there looking over this. There was this tension in the air, you know, because everybody was, it was the biggest simulation that they've ever had taken place of. And he says there were people from 80 corporations present. Hmm. That's 80, 80 corporations present in the room overlooking this whole thing. Wow. And then it was carried out, and afterwards everybody was cheering and applauding, and, oh, my God, we did it, we did it. You know, simulation. I tell you, what is actually there is a description of them in that tower watching that operation at the London Bridge. Because also they were the ones who carried out the drill on the River Thames three days before this happened, with the same vessel that was then part of the rescue search for a woman that had been thrown off the bridge and so on. Wow. Man, so that is uh, a lot to digest. Of course, people should take a look at crisis-solutions.com. And to get a little deeper into the actual events, obviously we can't cover everything that's happened since the last time we talked because there's just been so many events. But if we were to look harder at the attack in Manchester on May 22nd of this year at the Ariana Grande concert, I know this is one you've talked about a lot, but it has quite a few clues surrounding it that kind of suggest it was a simulation, right? Can I just jump back and say about crisis solutions? When I went out and pointed them out, I mean, this is a bit scary for someone like me. I'm a one-man band, you know, to put a pointing, accusing finger at something like that. I mean, they could just sue me from here to the moon. I went out on a program called SGT Report, and in two weeks, that interview had some 280,000 views. So there was a massive exposure suddenly looking at that. And their website just disappeared from the internet. It just disappeared. Hmm. So I went out on other programs and said, is this normal for the, I mean, this is a super website, you know, a big company. They would have, have it up on the air, boom, like this, if it was a technical issue. 
So wouldn't you say that this could possibly show signs of like a criminal mind that just want to hide what they're doing and disappear? So I pointed people to a cast version on the internet. I spread the link everywhere saying you can download and see their website here, even though it's shut down. And also there's the video, everything. So download it, save it and spread it everywhere. Mm. Then after two days after I pointed saying, look, they're trying to hide, boom, it's back there up again. So I don't know. I'm just saying I think that there's some, I would, I would hope and believe that there's a whole lot of truth involved in what I'm saying about this company. Right. And that company, I believe, is also connected with Crisis Cast in the US, which it was the company that had a drill very close to the Pulse Club, the mass shooting in Orlando. I also believe that their connection with this company to another company called NC4 and another British company called Bell Pottinger. So I think what we're looking at are, you know, like when you study the CIA, for instance, you will see that there are hundreds and hundreds of front companies intertangled into this web. So it makes it very hard to, to get a grip of what are you looking at and also they shut down companies, open up new ones, rename them and so on. So it's at all times changing. And here I think that I believe that I found a thread into the head of the octopus on the operational party of what I call the global tour of terror. Because if I'm correct after all of these years, and I think I got a quite good, uh, what do you call it? Um, Track record, yeah track record since I have been able to predict these things because how can I just an ordinary guy predict terror attacks I mean that's ridiculous and if I can wouldn't it be a natural thing for the security police or forces of these different countries where this happens where I'm able to point it out before it happens to contact me and say Either you must be involved in this or how the hell did you, how could you tell? But there's always silence, 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 silence. The reason? Because they're totally involved. Mm -hmm. So please also notice that all of the countries more or less where these things happen are members of NATO. And it's around and round in circles like a teddy bear. The same countries, the same cities, the same police districts again and again and again and again. And also the dates, they love these dates, you know, so they repeat the same dates again and again and again for different reasons. Right. Like uh, often the 22nd and often March 22nd, which, of course, 322 is that famous skull and bones number. Yeah. Who knows if it's connected, but that date definitely does pop up more than a few times. Oh, that is that is a real. I mean, it's just a matter of where, you know, many times I say the next one is going to be on, for instance, the 22nd of May. Like you say, they love the 22nd of different months. And it's just a matter of sitting, waiting. OK, so where is it going to blow up? I said two days before the Manchester attack, because it is also the 22nd of May that is more or less exactly one week before the Bilderberg meeting, which is extremely mm. important in this agenda. So every year before the meeting that keeps changing locations all over the world, in the Western world, they have a distraction. 
media is starting to say, oh, is it really true that these old guys are sitting smoking cigars and planning for the new world order? Could that be true? So there's this focus starting to aim at this group that should have been exposed 50 years ago, if you ask me. Anyway, so what they do is they, boom, they pull something up over to the left. The whole attention is just changed in that direction, wherever that is. So two days before the Manchester, I said, within the next few days, there's going to be another one to distract from the Bilderberg meeting. Two days later, boom, in Manchester this time. Right, at that concert. At that concert. And I would like to point out also that it's not that I've been able to predict, like, this is going to happen in England, this is going to happen in England, this is going to happen in England. This is international. This whole thing of where we see, oh, terrorism is everywhere. No. What I believe is happening, and I'm getting it confirmed from more and more sources, is that what we are looking at is like a rock group on tour, like the Rocky Horror Show, mm -hmm. a small little unit that is with the exact same demands, more or less, as a rock band on tour or a theater group on tour, but like a film set, a mobile film set unit with everything from marketing agencies, directors, pyrotechnics, you know, experts in explosives, smoke bombs, crisis actors, amputee actors, catering, the whole shebang. Exactly like if you want to do a Coca-Cola ad and you do an international shoot where you go from country to country, here this product is terror. That's the thing. They need to keep us fearful for us to accept their agenda. Right. So when they leave these clues, the clues is for the next upcoming, or now they've started to put clues for multiple targets. I think this is very recent, the last six months or so, where the clues are pointing in more than one direction. So this is why, for instance, the whole, if you remember the Berlin truck attack, and then there was a mass shooting in, in a nightclub in Istanbul, then there was another one in Jerusalem, a truck attack there. Then you had the Fort Lauderdale shooting. Then you had the Melbourne car attack and so on and so on. Also, I want to come back to why there's so many vehicles involved because that's part of the agenda as well here now. Mm -hmm. So the theme, they have different themes. They have different color codes and they got secret almost like a secret language involved in these operations so that members of their light-fearing group all over the world can see, aha, this is our operation. They don't need to know the details. They just know, aha, this is one of ours. Right. That's one of ours, and so on. Right. So so how do we know, like, for example, that Manchester Ariana Grande concert bombing was one of their events? Because this is one that I got a lot of pushback from people who were like, there's no way this was a, a false flag attack. There's no way this was a simulation. But yet it actually seems more like one than a lot of others based on the clues that you've dissected. That one is very, very difficult because it is just like you say, how can you or I say that a whole stadium, I mean, it officially it was sold out, 21,000 people in there. How can you say that it didn't happen because, I mean, 21,000 witnesses would say the same thing. Mm -hmm. And how could they do that with, like, 22 victims? 
are you saying that this is fake, that these deaths are, n- are not real? What I can say is that if you had had 21,000 fans in there, teenage girls with their favorite pop star on stage, wouldn't you think that more than three or four of them would have a cell phone with a camera? Don't you think any of them would start filming if something just blew up and people were lying dead all over? I mean, they take photos of a hamburger and put on Facebook. <laughs> you know, don't you think one of the most traumatic things in their life that someone would have taken photos? Don't you think that the CCTV cameras that are there all over the place in this very modern, it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest arenas in Europe would have security cameras? Of course they have, because when you've got big football games or soccer games or whatever, if there's panic or a fire, or the security company, which this event, they were, it's a company called Shosek, they need to have control and see what's going on. You know, if one exit is blocked or whatever, they need to be able to see the whole thing so that they can redirect and get people out safely. Here, no CCTV cameras. The parking lots outside were more or less empty. The footage that is in there where they say, well, look at this. I mean, that you can really say you can't see anything. There's no panic as such. There are people in the stadium. Yes, there are people leaving the stadium. Yes, there's a person on stage saying no panic. Just take it easy. If everybody could just please leave the building with an American accent as well. And there's nothing of the photo from the crime scene there's one photo of the alleged crime scene nothing where you can see that this guy blew himself up and they couldn't pinpoint where he blew himself up there were three different locations before they finally agreed on no it was there that's where it happened (laughs) and the people that were hurt there are men in their 50s right no teenage girls i would say where all the teenage girls then you have outside You always, when there are these false flags, you always have high quality photos that are being spread, showing victims that are being led around or lying there. As soon as the police is involved, super high quality. Then as soon as there's something where the guy or individual that they blame it on, there's this CCTV camera footage or whatever, super blurred, super blurred of photos. It will always be the same that this Islamic terrorist, he will have like a bandana and a cap on and he's moving so it's blurry and you can't see his face, you can't see anything, you can't see the background. All of that, that is really important as evidence. You will never see that. So here outside the stadium in Manchester, we see there's like a handful of photos taken by a photographer called Joel Goodman. And they're super quality, but it's not like 24,000 people in absolute panic running around. It's they're walking around, sitting, chilling, drinking water, and so on. Also, there's no, I mean, there's a few videos where you see parents running around looking for their child, especially one, a man who's running around, you know, shouting out for his daughter. But he's filming himself, his own face, while he's running around. Would you do that if you were in total panic? Would you film yourself while running around looking for your daughter? 
and it's like, Ellen, 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 uh, Ellen, you know. <laughs> pretty strange. Pretty strange, pretty strange. And then, like I said, when there are these rock concerts and so on, I mean, all the parking spaces in that whole part of town or, or the city will be occupied, packed here, totally calm, they're half empty. You got the police, ambulances. Where are the photos of all the dead? Where are the photos of all the wounded? Where are they? Where are all the different press photographers? Where are all the people of these 21,000 outside the stadium taking photos as well? Nothing. That's nothing. Then the firefighters in Manchester, as soon as they heard of it that very night, just minutes after it happened, or allegedly happened, they were on their way to help, of course. And they were told, stand down. You're not allowed to get close to this area. Stand down. This is also standard procedure in these operations, where normal, decent people want to come and help. But they are not allowed to interfere because it's a totally different operation in the center. Normal police and military will be put in the outer parameters of where this happened to close off street, keep traffic out, keep us out, you know, because normal people are not allowed to be too nosy and see, whoa, what's, what's actually happening here? Then also, so was there a drill? Yes, there was a drill one year before in a mall just a stone's throw away. Very similar. It was actually a mass shooting. And the guy that took the photos at the drill was the same photographer that is there responsible for all the high-quality photos now. Yeah, that's incredibly unlikely. Also, when you see the English Queen after all of these attacks in England, which, by the way, please keep in mind how close these things were to the British elections and also the whole Brexit thing in the UK. I mean, it was just a few days before the referendum and election as well. So major, major political tension in this country. And then boom, 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 these things happen. Okay, so the queen went to the hospital to shake hands with the victims, teenage girls. And there's all of these footage where she walks around with these girls and, and they're in bed, in hospital beds, but they're dressed in civilian clothes underneath the blanket. I don't know. I mean, last time I went to a hospital, even if I had sort of like a splint in my toe, I had to undress and put on these awful clothes, hospital clothes, you know. But here they are in their own civilian clothes, all of them lying in different beds. Also, the queen walks around shaking hands with the staff. And two of the nurses says, well, we had an exercise a month ago, and now this just went like clockwork. Hmm. So what exercise and why did it go like clockwork? You know, so you really have to question this thing. Then also photos of people, you know, like these people surrounding outside the stadium and so on, also in the early morning hours. They're walking around with suitcases on wheels and stuff like I mean, if you go to a rock concert, would you bring a suitcase? And there are multiple of these suitcases. Also, some researchers have said that with facial recognition that there's more than one of these alleged crisis actors that have been taking part of Sandy Hook and others. There's also a very strange one. Do you remember 
there was a just one week before the Orlando shooting, which was also right before the Brexit referendum in the UK. And the Brexit referendum was about should England leave the European Union or stay? Should they become sort of stay out or join the European Union? Right. That is what Brexit is about. And so this internet sensation singer, Christine Grimmick, I think she was in The Voice, and she had a concert just a few days before the Pulse shooting happened. It was in Orlando, Florida as well. And the band was called Before You Exit hmm. Brexit. You know, anyway. Right. So what she did was she had a concert there and she was just about to go out and sign some autographs for her fans when she sent her last Twitter because she was gone down right after that officially. And the Twitter message she said, sent out was, shoot me down, bang, bang, shoot me down, bang, bang, shoot me down, bang, bang. And then she went out and was shot down, shot down with three shots. Wow. And once again, no footage, no, they cut the videos exactly when, you know, crap, all of it, crap. Then the whole funeral thing, people were laughing in the background at the funeral, you know, this duping delight. I totally questioned that whole thing. And it was right before the Brexit. Then you had the stabbing of Joe Cox, an MP in England, just two days before also the Brexit election. You know, to get the emotions going, they were trying to force the UK to stay in Europe, you know. Right. So anyway, so we had it the exact same thing in Sweden when two days before when there was a referendum in Sweden about the euro as a currency, if Sweden should keep their old krona or join the euro. And these forces that were, what I'm talking about, the same force behind all of these, what is called the New World Order, they tried to force the Swedish population to join the euro, but Sweden didn't want it. So they tried with all type of propaganda, didn't want it. So what they did was instead they stabbed the Swedish foreign minister, a woman, almost in an identical assassination as the Joe Cox murder in England, where she was stabbed in a supermarket very brutally. And she was the icon for the euro. So people in Sweden was like, oh, my God, that is so horrible. That is so horrible. So even if they were against the euro before the killing, then now out of sympathy for her family and, and so on, they voted pro the euro. So they almost got Sweden to vote for the euro, didn't go all the way. Anyway, so there are this thing of if you can't, you know, use logic to get a population to vote the way you want, then you go emotional. And it's always women and children. That's the way to get the emotions going. Right. Kill them and you will get your way. Uh huh. Anyway, so there was this shoot me down, bang, bang. But before the Manchester thing, one of the victims in that was a girl called uh, Calendar, and she tweeted just before this happened, I miss you so much, Ariana, can't wait to see you on the Danger Woman tour, it's going to kill me. And then right before she died, she sent a text message, a tweet, kill me, kill me, kill me, please tell me they're coming to Manchester. You know, Shoot me down three times, kill me, kill me, kill me. Hmm. What is that? These type of bizarre where these satanic undertones that are very obvious once you start looking into these things become very clear. Right. And then that is a very, very strange also this victim, this young girl calendar, because 
her mother at the funeral, it seems like it's the same individual that is the daughter is now the mother, but with a fat suit. <laughs> I, I kid you not. I kid you not. This woman, she's like a big blonde wig and she's got this leopard top on and jeans. And when her husband or partner is hugging her at the funeral, when he touches her back, the whole back is moving. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like a normal body where the hand, even if you're sort of overweight, your arm would just sort of like move into the body flesh or whatever or fat tissue. But here the whole, it moves. <laughs> so I'm telling you, I, I truly believe that is not a real death and that funeral not real. And also one of the things that you will see many, many times in the UK when these things, type of things happen is that the news footage from funerals, from press conferences and so on, uh, it's a company called ITV Production, ITN Productions. It's not ITN News, it's ITN Productions. And their speciality is like daylight soap operas and theater shows and so on. So I tell you, what are we looking at? Are we looking at theater here as well? This is what I would suggest. Wasn't also, I think I heard you mention that Ariana Grande's manager actually met with Netanyahu a few weeks before, which is a little suspicious if that really occurred. I've got photos from that meeting. His name is Scooter, and he's a Jewish man who, he was a manager for Justin Bieber, for Ariana Grande. And please also remember that one of Ariana Grande's so-called friends is Nicki Minaj, who was right at the Westminster Bridge the day before the alleged terror attack on the 22nd of March, where they shot a video called No Fraud on the exact spot where two of the victims is said to have been killed. And she was standing with the Big Ben in the background, waving an English flag, uh, postcards right in the background. This exact same postcards that the very next day, I mean, within less than 24 hours, are lying spread around one of the victims. Wow. Also, when you look at these artist videos and you see what people they've signed up with how the whole music scene has been totally hijacked nowadays by the same very dark force and how these videos are pumped with freemasonic messages and symbols and it's a very sad thing to to see so here we have this with ariana grande i mean a beautiful young singer but at the memorial, there were a concert where she was singing for the victims, and she talks about this calendar girl and says, uh, oh, she asked me to, to sing this hit. And when she says hit, she just breaks out laughing. I mean, not like a little. She has to hold her, her mouth because she is like, what is that? Yeah. What is that? Man. I mean, it should be the exact opposite thing. You've had a concert. And the thing was, it didn't happen when she had just gone off stage, they say, and then boom, this thing happened. Damn. Yeah. And then uh, you had, there was one young gay guy who, who was killed officially. And his parents, when you see interviews with him, his name is Martin Heft or was Martin Heft. When you see interviews with his parents, they're sitting smiling. They're saying, oh, he always wanted to be famous. And now finally he made it. 
you know, oh, we're so happy for our son and son. Their son was officially blown up with a nail bomb like a few days before. Would you sit and smile and talk about how lucky he is to finally be famous? I would not. I mean, what is that? Right. Time's just going by so quickly. I mean, there's so much to talk about with each of these events, but I guess it was a license plate detail at the Manchester event in the footage there that led you to the next event? Yeah. But first, I just want to say, how could they pull it off if it was fake? Because often you have like in the drill, that's where they film all the footage that is then used as live footage, you know, so that they can control and get everything correct by with uh, rehearsing and everything. And then once it's it's there, all the good quality photos is there, then that is being pumped out as live footage when the news goes live and so on. But how could they do this? I would say nowadays when you have a rock concert, most tickets are sold online. And so they say, okay, at 12 o'clock, we will release these tickets. And so within half an hour or two hours, boom. I mean, many times it's sold out. So what really happened? Is it possible that the people in charge of this whole thing, what they did was they just said, okay, we're going to release all the tickets at 12 o'clock. And at 12 o'clock, they just made the phone lines busy for like an hour or two and then said, oh, sorry, now it's all sold out. And that way we would think, oh, there's 21,000 inside, but actually maybe it was totally empty. And people are saying, but how can you say this? How can It's awful. And I agree. The last thing I want is to disrespect to anyone that has been hurt by this. But you have to question because we're just scraping on the surface now. And I've said to so many, please if you were there, if you have someone, if you know someone, or if you were there and got injured, please contact me. I have looked into so many of these terror attacks in, in Paris and Denmark and Sweden. I've been on location on most of them with undercover footage. I've said everywhere, please contact me. No one, no one has contacted me. It's always, well, my brother's sister's uncle was there, or, or I have a friend I work with, his daughter was there. But to get in direct touch, to this day, I have not been able to. Hmm. So also, one of the guys that they help out, you know, you had all of these young victims, but the photos are often of old guys. And one of the guys that they bring out looks like a former military guy. So I looked into it. And I tell you, this guy's name, as far as if I'm correct, is Paul Campion. And he's a former SAS, Special Forces. And right after this, he was then appearing in media, in TV stations, being interviewed, not as a victim, but as an expert on that attack in Manchester and on the London Bridge attack in London. And also he's been appearing about ISIS. So I would suggest they're using the same small little unit again and again. So the thing you asked about is that since I know that they need to leave clues, I looked everywhere. And one of the things that I found weird was this photo of the LS victims, where all of them are middle-aged guys lying around on the floor. And on the floor, there are like two lines that looks like blood, but parallel lines. So it's like, it, that was strange. So I, I just noted it because I've checked everything. 
And I tried to look into all the details, put notes on everything. Note, 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 note. And then on the 3rd of June, we had an additional attack. It's the London Bridge attack happened. Okay, so at the London Bridge attack, it said that there was this van with Muslims that drove up and down, and then they decided, no, we've got to kill some people. So they drove up, killed some people with a van on the pavements and so on, then jump out of the van, ran around with knives, stabbed multiple people. They went into multiple different pubs, then ran out. The police arrived, and all three of these alleged terrorists were shot dead on the spot. 50 shots fired, they claim, the most ever in, in England, and all three dead, not a single drop of blood, nothing. And all of it done in eight minutes, from the first person was hit by the van to all of that around to multiple pops, multiple stabbings, all of that, and then until the minute they were shot dead. So very efficient police, I must say, if you believe it. Anyway, so when they were filming this, one of the things I always look for is like, when there's news footage and something, and maybe they're standing filming right into a wall, you know, where there's a sign or something, just for like 20 seconds, and then they move the camera to the reporter or something. I always question, why are they filming that? What is the reason? And if something happens and the camera's on before it happens, that tells you that person is in on it. They knew it was going to happen. Why would they have the camera on if they weren't expecting something? You know, so these are the things I look for. And that is sometimes where I find a clue. And on the London Bridge attack, the camera in the night, it was just panning across this dark bridge. There was a police officer. And then there was a mini, a small English car, black with two red stripes over it. So I thought, whoa. And the camera sort of stopped for a little while paused, filming the, the car right in the center of, of the footage, and then moved on. So I was like, whoa, hang on. And it reminded me of these two red stripes because that is how they do it, you know, these subtle signs and so on. So also the thing was that the number plates was KE11NXT. So I thought NXT in my world, that means next. Mm -hmm. So KE11, I was like, what, what does that mean? K, is it KE2? Is 11, is that 2? The key to next, you know, this car is the key to the next. So I, I went out on Facebook saying, please, this might be a clue. Please try and see if you can decode it together with me. So there were all of these suggestions and so on. And also I tracked down the car. Turned out that this car had changed number plates four times in just a few years and not to some cool name like Mr. Cool or something like no mm -hmm. totally ordinary number plates why would they change that four times in just a few years and it was also registered very close to one of the film companies in London so I thought that car that car we need to look into it so I was trying to figure it out and boom then ha happened the so-called Greenfell and the Grenfell tower fire in london where massive fire this high tower building went up in in a flame that i mean the fire spread in seconds in minutes the whole tower was just one massive big like a gas flame you know it didn't follow any normal logic when it comes to how this fire was spreading and then i found out that that tower was in kensington Postcode 11. Mm. So 
KE11 next, you know. Wow. So anyway, that fire, bizarre fire, very, very strange fire. And it was almost like they changed the game plan because it was instead of the normal way they do this here was almost like they were putting like an ambush for people like myself because one of the things they did was they were for one thing they were interviewing all of these witnesses and once again no tears no shaking no being pale and in shock even though people were talking about horrific stuff like babies being thrown out from windows and their friends and families being burned to to death. I mean, I'm a former journalist, so I've been to these kind of locations. When things like that happen, people, they don't make sense. People are running around screaming, you know, totally out of their head. When you speak to them, they can't put together sentences or they're shaking or they're totally pale or they're sweaty or they're totally quiet and, and so on. But here we see once again very calmly, well, and then these people burn in. And officially, that building lodged some five to 600 people. But there were no people out in the streets in the pajamas, even though it started in the evening, late evening. You know, there were no children running around. There was no people with, like, black in their face. Nothing like that. And also, the flames, the way the building just went up in flames was just incredible. And this is where they interviewed a young rapper. And he seemed really trustworthy. I totally bought it to start with because he said that, oh, my God, it's not an accident because here they were given loads of money to fix up these buildings. There were the several tower blocks there and they haven't done anything. The only thing they've done is change the cladding on the outside into some plastic thing. And that is why this fire went so, so fast. Okay, so he said also the elevators, they didn't work and it would have cost 60,000 to fix them. They were giving like a million pounds or more and they didn't do anything of this. So this is arson. So what happened after that was that suddenly, the last time I checked, there was about 190 similar towers in the UK alone where the fire authority says there's the same fire has it in that tower building. There's the same there, there's the same there, there's the same there. So suddenly you have what I would call ethnic cleansing. They're getting rid of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, most of the time from minority, you know, uh, from all over the world, poor people, lots of, you know, like unemployed and so on. And these buildings are often in areas that is... uh, where property prices are just skyrocketing. So what better way to clean that whole thing out by saying, for your security, we will deport you. So now they're they're shipping all of these poor people up to the north of England, up to Manchester, Leicester, up, up, up north, hundreds of kilometers, also forcing them to take the train down to work for peanuts up and down several hundred kilometers up and down every day while they can then rebuild these towers but into super luxury apartments right and there's the insurance angle as well they are going to get paid out i'm not sure if it's paid out yet but it's the highest ever in the uk 
They changed the insurance a few months before this happened, and it's going to be the biggest payout ever in the UK. I wouldn't say for sure the number, but it is very, very high. But then also you had the gas pipes on the outsides of the walls. Normally you build them in for security. In these buildings, they were on the outside. And for years, people have been complaining, saying this is a fire trap, you know. And also there are people testifying, saying that the gas entry, sort of the entry pipes into the buildings were messed with. So when you look at the flames, the speed of that whole thing, that is a gas fire. That is not just a tower fire. You know, they say that it was a fridge that exploded. Fair enough. Fridges can explode. But then you would have one fire in one apartment, and then possibly that could spread to the next apartment, maybe on top. And that, if you didn't manage to turn it up, would then spread to the next one. But we're talking like concrete buildings and stuff. Here, like a flamethrower just woof. And then you had a fire drill just a few days before this happened, where the fire authorities came and said, if there is a fire for your own safety, just lock yourself in your apartment. <laughs> I mean, that is sort of like a death trap. Right, right. Then we started having questions around where are the five or 600 people here? I mean, there were people in wheelchairs. The elevators are said not to work. I mean, you should have a bomb. But here we were told 17 victims. Then that went up, I think. I'm not sure because they, they keep changing 84 or something like that now, the official story. So 84, that means where are the rest of the 500 or 600? Where are they? Right. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I think if, once again, I'm speculating. I believe that these towers might have been evacuated beforehand. I don't know how they did it, mm -hmm. but I don't that there were 500 people in there. And if so, where are the bodies? Because even though you burn to death, there will still be a body. But here, very few body bags. And also, the bodies that are being carried out are taken out by people from a funeral home, hmm. not forensic. Like, I mean, this is a crime scene, a possible crime scene. There would be forensic detectives there for months. They would be taking care of everything, you know, going through the whole building. As far as I know, nope. Huh. And then they had a whole lot, you know, people were so kind to donate the food and clothes and stuff, but there were no people to collect it. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, that one seems definitely suspicious. Another big insurance play like we saw at 9-11, plus obviously some other multifaceted agendas. As we're getting to the halfway point, I also, I wanted to ask you what you see in the future. You know, you've dissected a couple of these. You've been able to predict them and foresee where the next attack might be or the next media event might be. What, what are you thinking now before we get into the second hour? What can you tell us about recent clues or what you think might be next in line? Well, in the second part, I think if we can go into more details around all the things that followed afterwards, because it's just an ongoing, but I believe that there was like a wave of alleged terror and there was a wave of exposure where I was trying and other researchers, incredible researchers were doing everything they could to expose it. And after that, it's come to almost like a standstill. 
And I hope we can keep it like that. You know, there's some minor, ridiculous, small ones. There's a lot of alleged accidents also that we're going to cover in the second hour with vehicles involved that are also there to just pump fear in and prepare the population, global population for so-called smart cities. But if I have a say, we are going to stop this and get our beautiful world back in balance. Mm -hmm. Well said. And I think you were talking about some of the clues involved the Statue of Liberty or New York City, perhaps. Are those still in the cards? Is that still something you're considering? No, no. This was after the 22nd of March attack. But it is still there because the targets that they choose are almost always the same. The targets they choose are either a location with a touristic value, with a national identity, like the Eiffel Tower, the Twin Towers, Times Square. You've got Acropolis, Venice, these type of places, the Colosseum in Rome. But they're running out of it. They, they tried these places. And the second type of target that they've been focusing at are centers of transportation, like airports, train stations, bus stations, and also vehicles of transportation, like trains, planes, buses, and so on. But now, since they're running out, they're not that many, and they've used more or less all of them the last few years since there's been so many different attacks. So now they they moved into, I would say, more and more arenas like rock concerts, sports events, and so on, where the rock star or the team are this symbol, this national symbol, where if they hit that, you will get the same emotional impact because it's always the emotional impact they want. They always build it on their old Roman template, problem, reaction, solution. They, the tune powers, secretly create a problem to get us into total fear mode, going, oh my God, we need protection. And then we turn towards the ones that we believe are there to protect us, not understanding that it's actually them who create. The only way we can solve this problem is by an in comes their solution. And the solution every single time is something we would never, ever have accepted had it not been for the problem, problem, reaction, solution. So this is why they want us in fear mode all the time so that we would beg for protection. But the ones that we need protection against are the ones that are offering us protection because they are the ones that are doing it to us. Mm. Well said. Well, wise words, man. It is always a pleasure to have you here. You're so jam-packed full of information and you've gotten so good at tracking this campaign and noticing the patterns that you can almost make a terror attack predictions calendar at this point. And before we go, would you like to remind the people where they can support you and dig deeper into the stuff you got going on? Greg, I got a terror calendar on my website. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice, nice. No, exactly for that reason, you know, so that you can see the specific dates that you need to be aware of and so on. So it will help to predict. So my website is lightonconspiracies.com, lightonconspiracies.com. I'm a one-man band who has devoted my, well, more than half my life to do everything I can to expose these forces, not financed by anyone. So if anyone respects what I'm doing or would like to support, it is extremely appreciated. I've got Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash lightonconspiracies. I've got donation buttons. 
I've got my newsletter, monthly newsletter, where I try to decode these operations and right. also predict them. I've predicted several in these uh, newsletters. It comes out the first every month. It's it's a quite a long newsletter. Lots of photos where I point out these clues and details that you have to be aware of and so on. Also, I've got a membership area. I've got multiple books on Amazon and so on. So it's extreme. And also, if you would like me to come to wherever you are, I am willing to do anything I can to help lift this world to the next level. So if that means going into speaking to SWAT teams, military, gangs, you know, health angels or <laughs> schools, universities, politicians, you name it. But I am not strong financially because this is not the way you go for, you know, fame and fortune. I'll tell you that one. But true, uh, true. get me there and I would do anything I can. Awesome. I love it, man. Uh, you, you really are on their tail very closely. And, you know, you do great work, man. It is always an honor and a pleasure. Keep doing what you do and stay safe out there. Is it okay with you if I finish with a prayer? Absolutely. Okay. I'm not a religious person, but here it goes. May the entire universe be filled with peace and joy, love and light. May everyone, and especially the ones who heard us, be filled with peace and joy, love and light. May the light of truth overcome all darkness. Victory to that light. And I also want to point out that I've started my own podcast called Light on Conspiracies, where I created a platform for people that are normally not on other shows that have no voice or no ways to, to get these things out. I have really high-level experts as well. Uh, Cyril Wecht, the pathologist, Barbara Honecker, former White House employee, Chip Tatum, former assassin, Jim Fetzer, John Barber, five-time Emmy Award winner, but also... You know, normal people like today I interviewed a woman who just ended up right in the middle of this uh, London Bridge attack and got her best friend murdered here. But now when she's trying to find out what happened, nothing adds up. It just doesn't make any sense at all. So she's walking around wondering, is he alive? Is he dead? I mean, nothing matches up and she's devastated. I've also interviewed recently the Apache Nation the San Carlos uh, Reservation, trying to expose what's going on there. Absolute horrible things that they have to endure and so on. So please visit that one as well. And thank you so much for creating this platform, Greg, for giving the opportunity for this type of information to get out there. Absolutely, man. Right on. You're just always on this stuff. You got your details down. Clearly very passionate. And I appreciate it. Anytime you want me back. We can do a weekly thing, you know, 365 <laughs> days a, a year, anytime. Awesome. We'll be in touch. Yeah. Give your wife a hug. <laughs> I will. Are you married? I, what do you call it? I proposed. Oh, okay. So I'm engaged. All right. All right. Congratulations. After 19 years. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, you give her a hug too. I will indeed. I will indeed. All right, man. Take care of yourself. Take care, guys. You too. Bye-bye. So we recorded an interview just before the Charlottesville protest, counter-protest clash, and then 
just a few days ago, we have another happening in Barcelona, and you were kind enough to hop back on with me and add a little addendum on about these two recent events and how you think they might fit into the puzzle. Obviously, two different things, but is there any anything suspicious or odd that you've seen in these cases to suggest we're not being told everything? Once again, really important not to jump to conclusions, but it's one all over the same, the same, the same again. When you start looking into the details, we're back to the same old uh, theme again. In the Charlottesville uh, attack, once you really start digging into it, it turns out that they've used uh, at least two different cars. It's not the same car. Mm. Uh, that there are several different photo shoots also. You can see when you compare the photos, you can see that, uh, <clears throat> for instance, on on uh, the Dodge Challenger in the registration, um, what do you call it? The, the registration license plate. No, the certificate of the registration. Oh, the car is equipped with a sunroof. Here, it is not. Uh, the car that is found crashed afterwards when uh, when the arrest was done has two dark stripes on it. That car that uh, you see on the video in the different videos that crashes into the crowd do not have these stripes on. Also, the window uh, is tinted in different ways on the two different cars. There's also around the headlights on the one that is uh, hitting the crowd. Around the headlights, it's silver colored, but uh, the ones that it is then uh, where the guy is said to have been arrested is the same color as the car. And so on. so there's definitely two different vehicles. It's not even, I don't think it's the same year model either of this Dodge Challenger, but it's got the same uh, license plates on and very strange license plates, I have to say. It's GVF, it's Ohio plated, and then 1111. Hmm. Then the man that has been accused of doing it, his mother being interviewed in the garage, she's in a wheelchair, has just left the, the car in the garage when she's... Uh, apparently being told that this has happened. And her car, which is a Hyundai, is GVF1122, which is, uh, I mean, what are the chances that uh, uh, these plates are so close to each other? Then you see, you got like, uh, there's some still photos where you can see that <clears throat> the crowd behind and in front of the car is different than the crowd that is there on the videos. It's not the same people they have moved around uh, the signs are not where they are in the still photos. Uh, you can also see that, I don't know if you see, notice sometimes in action movies and so on, where you can see that the stunt drivers have had to rehearse. So you, you will see these black stripes from the tires, mm -hmm. uh, like multiple times to do, to get the maneuver exactly correct. And here you will see in two or different, two or three different locations around this site, you will see these black tires where the car has turned around, reversed, and gone back, and then done it again, reversed, gone back, and so on. So definitely something very, very suspicious about the whole thing. There's another still photo where you can see the car uh, from behind. It's uh, a very good quality photo, and people are starting to run, you know, run away from in front of the car. But when you look at it, when you go into great details, you will see that uh, you can see the tire uh, print on the tires itself, meaning that the car is not moving. You can also see the exhaust, uh, so that you can see that it's standing still. It's not moving forward. It's got the braking lights on, which is not there in the video. And also, 
there's not the two vehicles in front of it that it's crashed into. There was a white car and then a van in front of it, a uh, sort of like a maroon-colored van. Then you see uh, the location. It said that these people were on their way to a park for a big meeting, a big gathering. But when you check out the location of the park, it's not the way, the direction these people are walking is not really towards the park. So it's a strange street that they've chosen. So why this street? Then if you come into my world of uh, conspiracies, you have to look at, is there a, is there a reason why this location was uh, picked? Mm-hmm. And for one thing, Charlottesville is just like a stone's throw away from Langley. The CIA in Langley. It is also a stone throw away from Washington, D.C. And it's also just a stone throw away from the uh, Marriott Hotel in Chantilly, Virginia, where the latest uh, Bilderberg meeting was held just a few months ago. So it's their backyard where this is carried out. Then you look at the street. It's called the Fourth Street, where this crash is said to happen. And the, the street that crosses it, where the car, the cars are being pushed out onto, is Water Street. So you look at it, and this 4th Street, it's very narrow, just because it looks quite wide on photos and videos. I tell you, I've been on location to many of these places, and it always looks a lot bigger than once you, if you're really there. And you will see here, there's hardly room enough for two cars here. So when you look at there's some aerial footage of a they claim it's a drone that are taking the photo the drone is in an exact position so that you cannot see when the car hits you can only see the first car being pushed into the center of this inter- intersection but when you look around from my point of view i'm always looking if this is a false flag what is needed would it would there be a reason why they chose this and so on and this is a perfect street that can very easily be shut off in all four directions to keep normal people away and you will see here from the aerial drone footage there is a gathering of people right in the intersection but there's no people at all in the rest of the streets in in the different directions and then you got multiple vehicles that are there to block off uh, so that no one can get into this intersection you also have one street, the water street. If you go down the street, it, it, there's a sharp turn. So that one can very easily be shut off out of sight. So that no, that just with a blockage, there's another, um, uh, what do you call it? Underpass also very close on one of the other streets that could very easily be closed off out of sight as well. So that the, no traffic will come from there. And then you have vehicles that are blocking the, from the, the two other so, sort of completing the whole area so that they could be in total control. Then also on the uh, corner of uh, Water Street and 4th Street, there is a big building, and that building, uh, the upper floors, is a parking garage, meaning this is what they normally use. They, They use parking garages or libraries. These are the two type of buildings that I normally come across when they carry these things out, because... In these big open spaces, indoors, it gives them all the possibilities to prepare without normal people seeing anything of what's going on. They can have vehicles, uh, pyrotechnics, all kinds of staff in there, a makeup artist, amputee, all of these things that is needed. And then the entrance from this parking garage is right into the intersection, meaning like 
one, two, three, and boom, within a few minutes, you can, you can have the whole area filled with your people. Wow. I tell you, the more I look into this and the, the things that just keeps, uh, I keep falling across, there's so many things that it's just pointing that this is not, uh, what we're being told. I do believe though, I do believe that, uh, at least one person got injured when the car reversed. But that was, I think that was not meant to happen, but that they, they got in, this person got in between the cars and a pickup truck that is standing there. Mm. Man, I mean, this has happened so recently, but you've already dissected so many inconsistencies in what we saw on television. And I mean, it's not a secret that the American people have been manipulated for a while now to really grasp onto identity politics and get increasingly polarized and everybody's kind of on the same page that oh yeah they're manipulating us in that way is it really that weird to think that they would throw gasoline on that fire by staging something like this and amping everything up a level because now everybody wants is even more angry at the other side because it's gotten violent and it just doesn't surprise me that this is the kind of game they would play. Obviously, we don't want anyone to get hurt, but it just isn't surprising. And maybe no one did. So we have that happening. And then also right near you, I, I assume if you're still in Spain, we have this thing in Barcelona, at least in an area you've probably been pretty familiar with for some time. Yeah. Are you seeing things on this one, too? It's getting extremely boring after the, all of these years. It's like the same, the same, the same, the same. I keep saying that mm -hmm. here in Spain, the, th the important thing is to understand that these uh, different events are connected. They are connected. That's the whole thing. They're being carried out by the same force as behind the new world order. This is just sort of a, on a local, sort of like on a street level where they carry out these type of operations. And one thing I want to point out when it comes to the U.S. is that uh, uh, this is the first time I've cross, come across them. And it's a company called CrowdsOnDemand.com, <laughs> CrowdsOnDemand. And this company in the U.S. will supply you with a crowd if you need rioting, if you need a rallying, if you want supporters, if you want fans for a rock star, if you want a politician that is not very popular and you want him to look uh, like he's the, the number one guy. You just hire a crowd and they will deliver the crowd to wherever you are in the States. And I am sure also in uh, wherever the, else in the world, if you pay, they will transport them there. And they had a gathering for a rally in Charlotte, North Carolina, just when this happened. Now, I felt that that was almost like a, an ambush for people like myself because this happened in Charlottesville. And that one, it was in Charlotte, North Carolina. But this is only a few hours drive away as well. So you could gather the crowd and then just bring them on location in buses. Okay. So just because you see a lot of people does not mean that they are not uh, part of the whole thing. Hmm. You will also see that the, the normal pe the police here in Charlottesville were told to stand down. Yep. There are no ambulances. Uh, no ambulances, you will see that the people that are being treated are treated by other normal people or the fire brigade. No ambulances whatsoever. And they're still there after a long time. You know, like if something awful happens like that, you will have ambulances there and get the people to hospital as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Here, you will see like an hour afterwards when the police is there, their vehicles, their fire 
uh, trucks, everything is there. They, they uh, cornered the whole area off and the victims are still there. Shows you this is staged. And also around the corner, they have this, uh, the way of, of lining up uh, the so-called wounded along the wall for Photoshop, you know, photo shoots. So it's the same. So we go to Spain, and I, by the way, one of the images that was has been being spread from Charlottesville is a guy, a demonstrator. He's fighting with a police officer, and on his T-shirt it says FC Barcelona, which is uh, the Barcelona Football Club. Uh, this is the the way they leave these small um, s- sort of like the, little clues. Yeah, exactly. I've seen these football clues have been in many of these different ones. So we go to Barcelona, and here in Spain, or the Barcelona is part of Catalonia, which is a region that has been fighting for its uh, uh, what do you call it, the self-ruling uh, for years. Independence. They're independence. They are trying to to leave Spain, but there's a lot of uh, struggle about that. Huh. And not long ago, the mayor of of uh, Barcelona is said to have supported the Palestinian against Israel and that is normally a way if you want to get beaten up mm-hmm. that's the way to go and so here this happened on Las Ramblas do you remember last when well in this actually in this interview uh, I said that the targets they always choose are locations with a touristic value or a national identity that is what I said and also transports remember mm-hmm. absolutely okay Sensors for transport, like airports, train stations, bus stations, uh, these type of things. So here it started, uh, it said that uh, this uh, crazy guy who happened to leave his uh, ID and driver's license in the car, very handy once again, in a rental van. I'm going to go back, come back to why they're using rental things. And okay, so it said that he started at the Plaza de Catalunya, which is the place in Barcelona. And it's a very symbolic place for Barcelona and the whole fight for Catalonia, the, the independence of Catalonia. That is where he started. Then it said that he took this van, he drove down Las Ramblas. Las Ramblas is the touristic spot in Barcelona that you just have to go and see. It's like a pedestrian street. And so it said that uh, he, he came up and he started driving down and once again was killing people while he was uh, going. And so he drove down Las Ramblas, killed, it said that he killed, uh, the, the numbers keep changing, but I think it's 13 now, and then he hit about 100 people. That is 113 individuals. That is a lot. You have a white van. There's absolutely no blood on it. There's the front of the car is uh, has been had an impact, but otherwise than that, and more or less no photos of the van, no video footage, no nothing. And the people in Barcelona were told by authorities that do not upload any photos or videos to social media. Hmm. Okay, so this is part of the shutting down. So here we have. The van started at a very, very specific point, very important point, Plaza uh, uh, Catalunya. And then it drove down uh, Las Ramblas, the street in Barcelona. And then it stopped exactly on top of, um, it's an artwork of a very, very famous artist, Spanish artist, Miro, Juan Miro. 
so when you have aerial footage, which are more or less the only photos that are of this band, it's standing right on top of this uh, artwork. And that artwork is a very symbolic artwork for Barcelona, welcoming visitors to come to Barcelona. And it's also built on a very important old um, painting of the Virgin. I'm not sure which Virgin. I think it's Virgin Mary who has the child of uh, Jesus in her uh, in her lap, and then she's with two fingers holding an orange. Now, this uh, artwork by Juan Miró is very simplified. You know, his style is very... But, but that is what it's depicting. But there are photos of this guy that they say did it, this, I would say, Patsy, and on the photo, he's standing smiling with sort of like a pit bull terrier behind him, and holding an orange with the two fingers. The two finger hold, when you see all the different statues of this virgin with uh, the child and this orange, there are many, many, many classical artworks with this motive. There's the same two fingers and the orange. He's holding it as well. I don't know the, the meaning of that yet. I'm still trying to look into it. But then you have, he started at an extremely important location. He drove down a very, very important street, and he stopped right on top of this extremely important artwork. So then another thing is that when there's multiple victims, there's always multiple nationalities. And this is when they carry out these false flags, it is to involve as many countries emotionally as possible, as many nations. Mm -hmm. uh, Because if somebody from Nigeria was killed, nobody cares. If somebody from from Ireland was killed. If you're Dutch, you don't care that much. But if it's a Dutch guy, oh my God, then the impact goes so much more. And you in the US will know. So here it is said that 13 dead, I I have to put a question mark there because it keeps changing here, and 100 hits. Okay. So out of these, how many nationalities would you think would naturally be here in a big city in Spain. How many different nationalities? Give me a, a number. Probably three or four or five, not more than that. Okay, we're up to 30. Jeez. 30 different ones. And then there's there's no Africans, there's no Pakistanis, which are normally there on Las Ramblas, you know, because these are the people uh, selling glasses, sunshades, all of these type of things. All of them from Western Europe and so on. 30, that is 3-0. That is a lot. Right. Okay. Then you have, right after that, you had an attack in Marseille in France. Marseille is also where the mafia you has a very, it's a stronghold of the French mafia. That is also where one of the shooters at the JFK assassination was brought in from, from uh, this, uh, this city. But anyway, you had, in that city, there was somebody that is said to have a done a similar attack with a rental van attacking two buses. Okay, so the guy that filmed that and took photos of it and sent it, put it up, you know, on, on mainstream and so on, on his Twitter account and, and made headlines all over the world, is the same Israeli uh, journalist. He was the chief editor of the second biggest Israeli TV channel. It's the same guy who filmed the shooting of the police officer at Charlie Hebdo from the balcony. Man. What are the chances? 
they ch they changed that afterwards and said that no, no, it was a guy called Jordi Mir, but that was not to start with. He was the guy who just happened to be there filming the whole thing. Now he's there again. So the reason uh, why they do all of these vehicle attacks are we were talking about that for preparing people for smart cities. Mm -hmm. You know, so that the, the vehicles would be the problem. We're back to problem, reaction, solution. Yeah. The vehicle is the problem and the solution would be driverless cars. Yeah. Or remote shutdown too. You know, they can hack into a car and shut it down. This could be a way to allow people to do, do something like that. You know, like a safety on a gun, but install it in an engine. Totally. Totally. If you, once you go digital, and remotely controlled. I mean, you can be killed and suicided and uh, whatever. They can make you drive straight into a wall or straight into a crowd or whatever. Right. You know, totally depends on who's in control. But the reason I saw this morning in the UK uh, headlines were that now they're going to make restrictions or they're suggesting restrictions on van rentals and car rentals. More control. You know, problem, reaction, solutions. Here, because I don't know if, if I said it on you, on earlier in this interview, but that there's so many of these vans that have been rented. You know, the, uh, the London uh, bridge attack, rental car, uh, no, rental van. Uh, then you had... Uh, Finsbury Park attack in, in also in England very recently rental van there was another rental van as well rental 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 yeah huh so well and you know people and then oh, you sorry go ahead no sorry if I rant on but like when you look at the footage in in uh, Las Ramblas here in Barcelona it's like there's more than 200 CCTV cameras put up around this area. It's the, the the most popular area in Barcelona. 200 cameras officially, not one of them working. Does that sound familiar to you? Then you have no video footage from normal people, but you have video footage from inside a bus that is slowly passing some of the victims. Okay, That bus is normally the bus where the crisis actors are transported to and from location. And when you look in the background, you will see that the, the whole area is more or less empty of people. There's no one there. And so I would highly suggest that this area has been shut up and just maybe just like 10 minutes before, then boom, this happens out with all the extras, put out the, some of these individuals that are lying there looking dead are dummies. I can guarantee you that when you look, there's especially one girl that looks like half her body is uh, either she's in her underwear or she's naked but it's just very obvious that several of these uh, bodies that are there are some of these uh, so-called kappa cadavers not real bodies mm -hmm. you will also see that the number of wounded when you when you start counting them they're about 15 in total but the official story says 130 or 113 so where are all the rest and then you have the same behavior in Spain as in all the other uh, areas where normal, I've, I've speak, spoken to several very experienced police officers and they say when something like this happens, their task is to come to lo on location and just say, calm down, stay low, I'll take over from here, I will take care of the bad guys and so on. But here is the police that are creating the panic. So the police are running around screaming, run, run, run. 
creating the stampede that is then filmed on these small areaways around the whole area. So it's the same, the same, the same. And then it is all then blamed on Muslims or ISIS. ISIS keep taking responsibility, which I think is very kind of them being a creation of the US and, and Israel backed by Saudi as the boogeyman. The two. So it's very kind of them to take responsibility because then we see right away, yeah, it's them again. Uh huh. And like you mentioned, I mean, if this happened in Barcelona right after criticizing Israel, this wouldn't be the first time that a country has had an attack shortly after that leader has criticized Israel, which is weird because Israel is the one oppressing the Muslims that are apparently causing the attacks. It seems like if they're sticking up for Palestinians, they would be not on the radar of terrorists necessarily, you would think. When you study terrorism on an international level, one of my friends, uh, uh, his name is Nick Collister, and a researcher and author, he wrote on his book, he said, uh, to study terrorism without studying Mossad is like uh, watching Hamlet without the prince. Yeah. They are the ones together with uh, CAA, MI6 is always there, and then they use uh, NATO uh, units as well, uh, with also from the Gladio network, and uh, mm -hmm. that's how it's done. And you know, one other thing that has been going around this week that I just saw maybe three or four times since our interview is a mainstream media article about the woman who has been at three terrorist attacks. I know. You know, she, I know. She survived London and Paris and Barcelona's her third attack. And that doesn't make any sense, but it jives a lot with what you say is that they use the same people and it's just a fabrication. What are the chances? And here, the, she's not the only one. You had one called Mason Wells. He was uh, in on three different locations as well. But I tell you, this woman is, I really want to point that out in this interview here. Uh, what date is it today? The 20, what is it? First, Eclipse Day. It's the 21st of October, of August. Okay. Her name is, I believe, Janet Monaco. And this is the way they leave these clues. So if there is a hit in Monaco next, let it be known, this was pointed out beforehand. Mm. Because that is how they do it with these, uh, there's all of these weird names uh, uh, in these operations. Many of them with a sexual play on words. I don't know if you noticed, we have all of these, there's so many, Cassandra Dick, um, Cockburn, Cockron, Cox, um, dicks, uh, you have the dick on ass. <laughs> no, I'm sorry for your audience, but these are names. There was one witness in Melbourne called, uh, it was a woman, I can't remember her first name, it was something like Alison Dick on ass. Wow. I mean, what is, what is that? But, and you will see so many of, of these Cockburn, uh, uh, cocks, many of these cocks. Cassandra Dick is uh, one of the, chief uh, investigators in England looking into there was a, a a guy that was sending a lot of tweaks around the first the Westminster Bridge attack his name was huge dickinson what huge dickinson oh my god keep keep an eye out for them because these are also the way that they they push they, you know it's right in our face there was another one called Annie Annie Cattle Kate Sheeple 
uh, and these type of names. Kate Sheeple, wow. It's it's in our face. Man, that's another layer, man. <laughs> wow. Well, I have to thank you again for jumping on here with me so quickly. I mean, you are just so dedicated to exposing the truth in this area. I just appreciate your willingness to add this little addendum because I do think it's important. We had gone through a little bit of a lull and then all of a sudden it seems like a new wave is starting. So thanks again for your breakdown and your analysis and your dedication. I really appreciate it and take care of yourself out there. You too, Greg. Anytime, I'm always here. All right. Have a good one. You too. Wow, people. There we have it. Ole Demingar delivering the one-two punch. Big thanks to him for adding that last chapter. Clearly, he follows these things closely and had already noticed a lot of red flags. I know that article about the woman who's been in three attacks really set off my skepticism, and I'm not alone. I got several messages and saw several public comments that all sort of said, Look, I'm not one of these crisis actor people, but this is really fishy. And you know what Rob Stark used to say, everything before the butt is just bullshit. So it is fishy. And I think an article like this is kind of overplaying their hand. Maybe they noticed her in too much footage, they had to run an article just to justify it. But apparently, there are others, like Ole said. I also saw those articles about police being asked to stand down and allow the protesters to clash, to kind of corral them into each other even. And I didn't see any actual sources for those claims in terms of real officers. It's all just anonymous, but it's not that hard to make up a name anyway. It doesn't mean that would be necessarily credible either. But it's the type of story that really doesn't surprise me. It kind of fits what I think the narrative is right now. And the car in the crowd thing, it's kind of like, could a person have gotten so worked up by the media manipulation and the drum beating? And the my team versus your team polarization that they drove a car through a crowd? Of course. But even if that's the story, it would be a case where a weak-minded person who is susceptible to manipulation ate it all up. And so the culture creators, the colorers of the lenses in which a person like that sees the world, would still have some responsibility to bear, because without the aggressive cultural push, they probably wouldn't have come up with that idea on their own. There's also the issue of overall sensitivity for the victims in these situations. Some people think it's disrespectful to even look at this sort of thing, which just makes no sense to me. Looking deeply into who did or didn't die, why they did or didn't die, and who's ultimately responsible is about caring. So don't let the machine say, well, we shouldn't look into these things out of respect for the dead. I disagree. The system doesn't give a fuck about the dead. They just don't want to get caught. And if you've turned on the TV or been on social media, there's a lot of debate over who's a Nazi and who's a fascist. And you can't deny we've seen some classic racist shit on the right side. Seen it my whole life. I grew up in Missouri in a place where the KKK literally solicits for new members at the Peebly Flea Market flag booth. I've been there. I've had them try to put a pen in my hand, so that's not new or surprising. But on the left, you have a lot of cheerleading for zero tolerance of hate, punching Nazis, supporting violence and suppression of the other side, and that's a slippery slope. It's just as tyrannical of a tone. You can't fight hate with force. And a noble goal of standing up for a vague concept like hate or terror can quickly become an aggressive authoritarian suppression of thoughts, ideas, and people that you just don't like. So everyone should maybe take a step back because it's the same way the system has always used labels and redefinitions to dehumanize people. 
Oh, those people are communists, so they're not actual people. We can just bar them from industries, ship them overseas, lock them in a cage. Oh, those people are terrorists, so they're okay to steamroll and drone strike and this, that, and the other. Oh, those guys are conspiracy theorists, so you can't take anything they say seriously. I mean, come on. A lot of people on the left say, oh, well, we just are fighting hate, but you're fighting it with hate. I would recommend that everybody cultivate their individuality and reject group labeling of yourself or other people because that's when we're really susceptible to dehumanization. We're really susceptible to letting the system do whatever it wants with certain people once they've been properly labeled as something that we don't appreciate. But they're still people. It's a dirty, dirty trick. But we fall for it every time. I guess it's just how we're wired, apparently. But do what you do. I'm just a humble stoner dropout, and that's my advice for these tense and troubling times. But a lot of great stuff was brought to my attention in this show. Of course, there is an extra hour for Plus members, but the recent stuff, I think, is extra important, so I tacked it on to both versions in its entirety. So do sign up for Plus if you want to hear more of every episode. But in this episode in particular, we talked about The odd coincidence that many of the people credited with capturing footage in recent terror events actually have careers in media and government. That also came up in some of the recent events too. But also the extraordinary amount of shoeless victims in the media footage of those terror events. And how that motif is seen within the context of Freemasonic ritual and the symbolism behind it. And of course we talk about other things too. I mean, Ole is just a wealth of knowledge, but TheHigherSideChatsPlus.com if you're interested. And I should also say, I know that these sites have been going up and down a lot lately, all summer really. And what happened was I initially made the mistake of consolidating all three sites, the free plus and clothing sites, to one server. I thought it would be simpler and it was supposed to save me a lot of money, but it's been a nightmare because when any of the sites exceed their resources or have issues, Bluehost takes down all of Carlwood Industries. Before being hosted at three different places, that could never happen. And the truth is, we've just grown so much in the past year that I'm getting pushed into bigger and bigger hosting packages, and I know there's got to be a better type of setup. And I'm not one to invoke victimhood, ever. I'm not the kind of guy who says, oh, they're coming to get me. But the truth is, like, the server has been attacked. I had to spend a grand on extra protection. If you looked at Google results for the higher side clothing, it says right there, this site may be hacked. A lot of my search results were coming back in Chinese characters. So there's some fuckery afoot. And we're still working through that. But I did spend all that money on extra protection. And anyway, just so you know, Plus members have no reason to worry. We use all third-party payment processors like PayPal and Stripe, so I couldn't even tell you your credit card number if I wanted to. It isn't stored anywhere on my servers or my sites. It's all third-party, and that's exactly what allows small businesses to handle something as complex and delicate as people's credit cards. You know when you go to like a hipster place and they swipe your card and then swing the iPad over for you to sign? They're using the exact same companies I use. But something or someone has wanted to take THC down. And the problems really started with that Scientology episode with Josh Reeves. But so many things can happen online that I can't say that it was a targeted attack or maybe it was just some random bot or whatever. There's a lot of junk out there on the internet. 
So I am in talks with a couple of people on how to move forward. I have to get away from a big hosting company that just thinks of me as one of many clients and move to something more private with a tech guy who actually gives a shit. And I think we're close. I think I got a guy. But we're going to get these things handled. I'm sure of it. So I'm sorry the sites seem to be going down every other week. I'm trying to just get things right in the short term, and then I'll be able to focus on medium and long-term solutions. It's the bittersweet growing pains of business, I guess. It happens. But I got to get back on the phone with Bluehost, so I'm going to get out of here. Love you guys. Thanks for putting up with me. I hate looking so unprofessional and unstable this late in the game, especially being in the conspiracy genre, which for many, many years has had problems with quality. Something I've worked really hard to counteract with this show. But here we are. Once I get the right host, we'll be fine. So anyway, big thanks to Ole again. Really knocked it out of the park. And I'll see you guys next time. Your Move International Band of Crisis Actors, servants of the Power Pyramid, and facilitators of the Global Terror Tour. Your fucking move. Oh no, you see, the world isn't random, it's attached to puppet strings, control over everything. Nine to five is trying to steal ya Now don't that job seem silly Hello, can you hear me? Or should I play back recordings From some spike agency Wish we were younger and free I'll be thankful when it's all exposed The vast conspiracy such a difference between us and the dead It's doubling your time.